It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I think I'm lowfalutin. Yeah? Not even... Oh, no, I'm highfalutin. I take it back. I'm just looking at... I thought high... What what do you think highfalutin means? I... I, What could faluting mean? To to, to have a high opinion of yourself, kind of? To to be pompous? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, are you looking it up now? Are you Googling? No, 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 no. Because no, you're, just... you're saying that's exactly the definition. Okay. Highfalutin is an informal American term that means pompous, pretentious, or self-important. Okay. I, I thought it meant, like, uh, fancy. Yeah, so I mean, I, they're they're related. Fancy well, and I'm pompous not, not are fancy. related. But... I'm not fancy, but I am pompous. <laughs> okay. Why so, don't we just settle on calling you medium-falutin? And, and I'm, mid, I'm mid-falutin. You're, you're mid-falutin. I'll settle out of court for that. He is the moderately falutin' Jeff Edelstein. Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, USBets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, USBets Senior Analyst Jeff Edelstein. This week on Gamble On, we'll count down to the launch of ESPN Bet, we'll react to the unexpected relaunch of Hard Rock Bet, and we'll meet the Mets, meet the Mets, step right up and greet plans for a casino from the guy who owns the Mets. Uh, I, I did that just for you, Jeff. Hope you appreciate, appreciate it. it. No, I do yeah. appreciate it. Uh, also, we are going to be welcoming our colleague, uh, Jill Dorson, to talk about Florida, California, and uh, maybe my semi-medical excuse to avoid covering any and all regulator and or legislative <laughs> hearings going forward. Uh, also, stick around. I have a few thoughts about responsible gambling at the end of the podcast. But first, Eric, as always, plenty of news to discuss. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. The state of Florida has a reputation, and it's been living up to it this week with the continuing twists and turns surrounding the legalization and launch of sports betting. On Tuesday, without warning, the Hard Rock Bet app, which was live for 34 days back in 2021, suddenly went live again, although not to everyone in the state. Rather, as explained in a statement the Seminole Tribe sent to Sports Handle, it's, quote, offering limited access to existing Florida customers to test its Hard Rock Bet platform. So it's limited, but currently there are some bettors in the state able to place real money wagers on the app while the court battles continue to play out. And not surprisingly, West Flagler and Associates, the paramutuals contesting the Seminoles' bid for sports betting, filed an urgent request in the state Supreme Court Tuesday night to force Hard Rock Bet to be taken down again. So here we are again. Uh, We know retail sports betting will start in about a month, but in the meantime, mobile betting is available to some and could end again at any given moment. Uh, We'll talk about this more with Jill Dorson shortly, but Jeff, what was your reaction to the app being live again Tuesday morning? And what else do you have to say about this constantly shifting story? 
Yeah, I mean, I was surprised along with everybody else. No one expected it. Uh, but honestly, you know, in my short time covering this little corner of the world, I'm learning that I'm basically an idiot for being surprised for anything mm. that happens in regards to sports betting in Florida. So seriously, like wake up tomorrow. Tell me that Meyer Lansky has risen from the dead and is opening a sports book in Del Boca Vista. I'm just going to shrug. <laughs> OK, <laughs> um, this is some, uh, some good, uh, a good range of references there. Yeah, I, I, try, I try to jam a lot in. Right. <laughs> um, to me, this feels a lot like a kid pushing and stepping a toe over the line and trying to figure out where the line is and how far they can go misbehaving before they get yelled at. Um, that This Seminole tribe seems to be thinking like, all right, let's not fully relaunch. Let's just kind of do this limited thing only to customers who were on the app last time. We're not going to risk burning any new bridges with new customers, but let's do this and, and see how the courts respond. And if it fails and we have to take it down again, we haven't done too much damage. Um, so, you know, this news, it, it hit us out of the blue and, and it sort of seemed impulsive, but but I suspect it was actually carefully calculated as like a, a half measure to get a feel for what may happen. And you know, and of course, make a little money from sports betters in the meantime. That's my sense that this wasn't as impulsive as it may have seemed at first blush. Yeah, I mean, as we're going to discuss with Jill, and it really, it's she she brings up a point in this interview, not not to spoil it, but uh, the idea of uh, like I think we forget honestly that these tribes are sovereign nations. They can, mm-hmm. they're, they're their own, they, you know, they're, they're, they're looking at things much differently than, than, you know, we are obviously they're their own, you know, they can, I don't want to say they could do whatever they want, but I, I think they could, I feel like they could probably do whatever they want a hell of a lot more than anyone else. You know what I mean? When it comes to all this stuff. So right. I don't know. I, I, I don't, I'm not entirely sure what my point is here, but I guess, <laughs> I guess, I guess the, the idea of being surprised by it, is right. probably proving to be like a, a a silly reaction. Right. Yeah, no, I think you're right that uh, while checks and balances may step in after the fact, they clearly feel more emboldened than like a commercial casino might to just to just make up its own rules on the fly and try something. Right. Yeah, no, so. I like I, your metaphor was good. A little stepping over the line. Yeah, I, a little I, of that. Yes. I, I like um, it. I do want to comment on the, the this whole Florida reputation thing. Um, yeah. Just just because, like, I grew up simply thinking of Florida as the place where old people retire to, and that's sure. like a nice winter vacation spot. Um, yep, yep. I didn't know about its reputation as the place where the weirdest shit goes down. Is that was I just unaware, or is that a more like when did Florida man become a thing exactly? It's a great question. Hmm. Uh, that's a great question. I don't. I don't. I don't have an answer for it. I, I think I wonder if uh, Dave Barry played a role in that hmm. happening. The, okay. You know the the news the Miami Herald columnist who who went national. You know and right. he would you know in the you know in the early eighties you know he was everywhere in every newspaper in America practically. Right. And you know it was always some wacky story out of Florida. I, I wonder if that played a role. Hmm. Now that I'm thinking it through. Could be. Yeah, I don't know. If anyone, if any of our listeners know the origins of Florida Man and whether it's been around all my life and I just didn't know it or whether it's more recent, I'd, I'd be curious. But, but I mean, it's living up to it in sports betting. It's definitely yes. in the conversation for weirdest state in terms of legalizing sports betting. For sure. Uh, all right. Uh, as discussed last week, ESPN Bet will launch on Tuesday, November 14th. That's five days from now. Uh, but there was one state where its immediate future was unclear, Massachusetts, where regulators had expressed concerns about the crossover between ESPN and ESPN Bet. 
But the regulators are standing down, saying this week that the app can indeed launch in Massachusetts next Tuesday, while the commission continues to press for the information and assurances it's looking for. But uh, back to that topic of crossover between ESPN and ESPN bet. I wrote this week about the public not necessarily understanding that ESPN is not the house, uh, that nobody in Bristol is setting the lines and taking your money, and the PR challenges this will present for all involved going forward. Uh, so, Jeff, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that topic or anything else related to this launch of a big-name sportsbook in five days. Yeah, the, the, the PR angle is going to be interesting. You know, As you noted in your article, people kind of generally assume that Dave Portnoy was Barstool Sportsbook, when in mm-hmm. fact he was just the face of it, right? Right. I mean, I, it doesn't appear that ESPN and ESPN Bet's going to go down that same path. It doesn't look like there's going to be like one ESPN personality who's like, you know, really attached to the sportsbook. But I'm curious to see what happens like when that first round of bad PR rolls down the press. I, I, I don't know if it was last year or the year before. DraftKings was offering like, you know, like a plus 200, you know, gimme bet for Justin Herbert to throw like one touchdown pass. Right, right. You remember, you remember this? And, they, you know, they were playing like, you know, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. They were playing uh, nobody, you know. Right. It was a gimme, you know, and he didn't throw a touchdown pass. Everyone was so pissed off. Everyone's demanding refunds. Of course, DraftKings couldn't give the refund on it because, you know, it was too much money. Right. But what's going to happen when ESPN bet finds itself in this position? You know, right. I mean. I, I, I would not be surprised if the outrage, the, you know, the, the Justin Herbert outrage stayed within, like, the gambling community. When if, if, if this happens with an ESPN bet, I could see it dribbling out into, like, the mainstream media community. Yeah. Like, ESPN, you know, is not paying out some ridiculous thing. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm curious to see if that happens. Yeah. Um, you're absolutely right that this is – this feels like it's going to be – the most mainstream and and most in everyone's living room that sports betting has been at any point so far. Um, so it's so it's just going to whatever happens, it's going to resonate differently. Um, I mean, I, I wonder how much we're going to see the ESPN on air team like right out of the bat leaning hard into responsible gambling, like just knowing that this is that much more mainstream, you know, whether we're going to see lots of disclaimers, you know, um, Scott Van Pelt or whatever is on SportsCenter saying, here are the ESPN bet odds, but also saying, remember, you must be 21 or older to bet and always bet responsibly, yada, yada, whether they're going to like work that into everything right out of the gate because they want to be really careful about limiting how pissed off parents of young children watching sports on their network are going to get. I, I think, honestly, I, I, I wouldn't surprise me if they go the exact opposite way and, like, don't even mention it, like, on SportsCenter. And let's just keep it to things like, you know, whatever, the Daily Wager show or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And like, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little church and state happening here. Although, although like, Van Pelt specifically, like, always I, does bad beats on SportsCenter. Yeah. And so you can't really talk about bad beats without saying what the line was. Right, right. So, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I mean, yeah. it is. It's going to be curious to watch, right? Because th- I mean, I'm, I'm. I mean, has the New York Times started the article yet? Because... <laughs> it's. I feel like it's like it's like writing an obituary. It's already written. They're just right. like waiting for like the last couple of words to fill in, and then right. uh, and then hit publish. Yep. yep. Um. One one thing about the ESPN bet launch that intrigues me will be seeing what the other sports books do to compete for attention and signups and downloads, or, or, you know, if they will, maybe some yeah. will just let ESPN bet have its moment and figuring it'll burn off in a few days and, and just treat it as business as usual. But I would think a DraftKings or a FanDuel or Fanatics, BetMGM, et cetera, 
they may suddenly hit their customers with a redeposit bonus, which oh, they haven't offered in a while. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Or, or like you were saying, one of those the Justin Herbert type bets that it seems, you know, give plus a hundred odds on something that feels like it should be minus 3000 or whatever. Um, whether they'll, they'll toss a few of those our way just to keep our attention while the ESPN bet is going. I, I'm, I'm very curious to see that. And, and it'll tell us to some extent how threatened these other operators feel by ESPN bet. Yeah. Well, I mean, on that day, on the launch day, DraftKings is having their investor day conference right, and they're right. supposedly unveiling a new product whatever that may be. Right. Yeah. That, and that was, that's right. There was some internal discussion of when I realized what the, what the date was that, Oh, they're trying to steal thunder from uh, ESPN bet. But then someone else pointed out that actually they've had planned. Right. Time, so right. before they knew what the ESPN bet date was, so it may just be coincidence, but uh, yeah, that, that'll, that'll be interesting to see if they have some announcement so big that it actually takes some attention away from ESPN bet. Right. All right, let's finish the news segment with some New York City casino talk. Steve Cohen, the owner of Jeff's beloved Mets, revealed details of his pitch for one of the three downstate licenses. It'll be called Metropolitan Park, will cost some $8 billion and include a hotel and music venue, as well as 20 acres of green space and access to Flushing Bay. Said Cohen, quote, it's time the world's greatest city got the sports and entertainment park it deserves. When I bought this team, fans in the community kept saying we needed to do better. Metropolitan Park delivers on the promise of a shared space that people will not only want to come to and enjoy, but can be truly proud of. Cohen says the project would create 10,000 jobs and generate $130 billion in economic impact over the next 30 years. Jeff, you've stumped in the past for a casino in Manhattan, not Queens, but you do have Mets loyalty. So uh, what are you rooting for here? And do you think Cohen's bid has a good shot at winning? I mean, it depends, right? I mean, you know, no, you know, talk about like not knowing what the hell's going on, like you know, in Florida. I mean, th- this is like the most opaque situation happening in gaming good, right now. Good work, uh, good use of opaque. Pre- appreciate you. Um, I mean, the question to me is: Is Manhattan going to get a casino? If Manhattan's definitely getting uh, getting a casino, which I think they should, mm-hmm. then I put Cohen's chances maybe at like ten percent. And if Manhattan, if we're saying Manhattan is definitely not getting a casino and we're just going to see what happens and I, you know, then he's up there. I, you know, there's right now 11 more or less confirmed bidders, you know, I, you know, so if you figure like, you know, 9%, if it's all even odds, I'd put him like probably around a quarter, 25%. Okay. Um, I, I just think it's such a wasted opportunity here. If you're going to be giving out these, you know, when's the next time they're going to be giving out licenses to not put one in Manhattan specifically. And I, I, I am not being paid by Caesars or Jay-Z. Here, right, but right. How do you not put one in Times Square at, at, at this, you know, where we're at today with Times Square? Times Square is like the gaudiest, most central tourist. I mean, it's like, to say, it's not so far fetched to say that Times Square is the center of the tourist universe, like worldwide. Sure. You know what I mean? How do you not put it there? You know, and if you put one in Flushing or Long Island or the Bronx or anywhere else, the only people going are people like that are from the area, kind of like you're not getting anyone from like New Jersey or Connecticut suburbs. You're not getting tourists. You know what I mean? Right. But you put one in Manhattan, you have quite frankly, you know, 8 billion people potentially, literally. Right. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. If I'm if I'm rooting, I'm rooting for a Times Square casino. That's okay. what I'm rooting. For. Okay. I, I think I told you that I took my first trip to City Field several weeks ago. Uh, that mm-hmm. that my son and I saw the final game of the regular season when the Mets hosted the Phillies. Um, 
Yeah, a bit of a pain to get to. And and so that reflects on this and, and comes back to what you're saying, like Times Square or just anywhere in Manhattan, easy to get to and you're you can go there without intending to go there and building a trip Correct. around it. Whereas out at out by City Field, out in Queens, yeah, you kinda have to make a trip of it, make a day of it. Um so I tend to lean the same way as you, that it just makes more sense to have it in Manhattan. But I also, I I think I've mentioned this before, I have that tiny little piece of me that pictures a casino in Times Square looking like Biff's Casino in 2015, which is now eight years in the past. What the fuck? Um, But but basically that a a casino in Manhattan could represent the beginning of the end of civilization. That's, that's, That's the little nagging thing in the back of my mind. I, I think there are there's I, I, if you take a quick peek at uh, the front pages of today's newspapers, I think you'll find there's some other things that are heralding <laughs> the end of civilization quicker than a casino in Times Square. That's that's fair. The beginning of the end of civilization has arrived, but this could still be hurrying up the the process, I suppose. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I I, no, I that I, does, you're not you're not rattled by that. I'm not. I'm really okay. not. You know, and I'm, part of it might be just you know I'm you know I, going to Manhattan like. You know, to this day, like if I'm like, I, you know, I grew up in North Jersey to this day and I just made plans yesterday, as a matter of fact, if I'm meeting old friends for dinner and drinks, we're all we're meeting in the city. It's easier to meet in Manhattan right. for people that live anywhere in New Jersey than it is to have to get in the car and schlep and drive and blah, turnpike and blah, blah, blah. I get <laughs> on the train in an hour. I'm I'm walking out of Madison Square Garden. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So it's just it's so convenient for me. And honestly, you know, I, I, I'm playing around with the story idea i wonder what atlantic city thinks of the idea of a manhattan casino they can't be thrilled generally speaking you know well i mean i guess it was you know however many years ago that there was first talk of like a meadowlands casino complex and atlantic city came out pretty strong against against that uh, and basically succeeded in shutting it down doesn't seem that they're but that was within New Jersey, so they actually had some pull. I guess they they can't do anything to prevent what New York State's going to do. New, New New Jersey, I mean, it's so funny. Whenever the you know like New Jersey, like New York, the Port Authority, you know, we, there's some shared stuff that goes on, and and it's funny. Like New Jersey just gets you know New, New York just kind of rolls right on top of us. It's right. sad but true, mm-hmm. you know. Hence hence you know I'm still like it it, it aggravates me the Jets and Giants. It is aggravating. That they're the New York Jets, the New York right. Giants, right. and they play in New Jersey. It's aggravating. As you have Jersey. the Devils. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> that's that's fun, but that's okay. what I'm saying. But like, that's what I mean. Why is why can't why it's okay for the hockey team to be called New Jersey, but we right. can't like take the Giants and Jets bullshit. Right. You used to have a basketball team that was called New Jersey, and then they went to Brooklyn. Yeah. Did I did I did I mention my celebrity sighting at City Field? No. Uh, maybe I did. If when I say the name, you'll tell me if I already mentioned this. But uh, on the way out of the stadium, I spotted Anthony Scaramucci. Oh, you did tell me that. I did. Okay, all right. Yeah. Eh, not I, not as impactful it, the second time. No, <laughs> not it wasn't, not it that it was impactful the first time. You said it, not me, but sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not that this has anything to do with uh, Steve Cohen's casino plans, but um, this was the fifth MLB bar, ballpark that my son checked off his list. Twenty-five to nice. go, and. Um, he ranked it fifth out of five, and 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 yeah, I right. tend to agree. It's it's perfectly fine stadium, but uh, didn't didn't have a lot of character. Not my favorite. 
Yeah, I still I, I haven't been I haven't been to a Mets game in since Shea Stadium. I because yeah. the idea of driving the, the the idea of going out there is right. miserable to me. This I this is this is very telling about the why the casino needs to be in Manhattan. If Mets fan Jeff Edelstein isn't even going to make it to City Field in however long it's been there ten years, fifteen years, what's it been? I don't yeah, know. That's least, uh, yeah. Then the, that's that's a sign that uh, yeah, no one's I, no I, one's schlepping out to Queens. I but I I, I may be like the. You know, I, I, I have found that I it takes a lot for me to get off my ass to, to do to I hate travel. The travel is just so much work. It's too right. much. <laughs> you you we let, let's admit it. Let's be open. We we kind of enjoyed the pandemic a little bit. It was nice. It was nice not having to, not being expected to go anywhere. Well, I liked I liked that part of it, but the actual pandemic part of it, not a not a not a fan. Not a fan. I, <laughs> no I was, disease and death. Are, you're not rooting for. I was on, on the, the record. That's what you're saying. Yeah, no, I was okay. on the far, far. You know, you, I was the guy on my front porch scrubbing down groceries. Like, yeah, well, you know, right. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like that part. Okay, but but, uh, but again, the not being the, the expected to socialize. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah it, was, right. it was not terrible for the short term. Yeah. Right, agreed. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the gamble on interview. Every week on the podcast, Jeff and I do our best to pretend to know what we're talking about as it pertains to all the biggest legislative and regulatory issues in the industry. We now welcome back to the pod as someone we work with who doesn't have to pretend. She is as informed a reporter as there is in our business, Sports Handles Jill Dorson. Jill, thanks for joining us once again on Gamble On. Sure, always happy to be here. Yeah, I don't I don't like the way I was described in that intro. So <laughs> I, I'd like to phrase my first question and, and it might lose some of our listeners because it's gonna be very detailed, Jill. So just bear 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 with me, everybody, as I as I work through it. Uh my question is this. What the fuck, Florida? <laughs> Good question. Um, you know, all I can think is that the Seminoles were emboldened by some of the court decisions over the last couple of weeks. Um, the Supreme Court uh, denied West Flagler's ask for a stay, which would have kept the Seminoles offline. And a lot of um, legal experts and stakeholders think that means that the Supreme Court is not going to take their case. Um, and then on the state level, West Flagler asked that uh, Governor DeSantis, who their court case is against there, um, be required to reply sooner than later. And the court denied that. So that's a December 1st date. So all I really can think is they were emboldened by this. Um, they maybe are going to take the opportunity to test drive the platform for as long as they can um, and not open it up to other people. But they've also been down this road before in uh, November of 2021, and they had to take down their platform. So it's a good question with no clear answer. <laughs> you know, one one thing, real, you know, just uh, assuming, well, I shouldn't say assuming, at the ri- with with the risk of them having to take it down again, which seems like a you know coin flip at 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 worst, right? Do you? I mean, what do you think? And and as Florida only being like for now, at least you know, and for the you know foreseeable future, one sports book state. I mean, the the illegal sports books, the offshore, the gray market. Like, I feel like if I were them, I would seek to gain a foothold in Florida, like today. Yeah, I feel like all you're doing by launching and then risking the possibility of being taken down is pushing people to the black market, which is exactly the opposite of what every other operator 
legislator and regulator out there wants. Um, there's also a cost to that. Um, it costs them money to launch. It costs them money to shutter. The PR is a bad look if they have to shut down. Um, so again, you know, they didn't open it as a, uh, a full launch yesterday. It was a soft launch, despite the information that initially was out there. Right. Um, so for all we know, since the Seminoles keep things really close to the vest, for all we know, there's 100 people in Florida who can bet right now. Um, and, you know, maybe they're going the fanatics route and they're beta testing, for lack of a better word, to see what the response is, what works, what doesn't. No one knows. <laughs> <laughs> good, good job getting through the answer, Jill, without uh, dropping any f bombs like Jeff. Although, uh, <laughs> although, although the f bomb uh, appears appropriate in, the, in this case, it's one hundred percent appropriate <laughs> in this case because it's the question everybody's asking. Right. Uh, so, so here's another question: uh, a, a topic that is um, very much relevant in your home state, California, but also in other states. We're, we're seeing a lot of legislators or other interested parties trying to work the tribes into their sports betting plans. We saw it in Maine. We're seeing it in California and Oklahoma, but it's not clear whether the tribes even want sports betting in every state, or at least whether they want it as much as these other parties. What's your perspective on, on the current relationship between tribes and other parties that are kind of speaking on behalf of the tribes? So it's an interesting question in California and everywhere. And the response in Oklahoma when Governor Stitt last week announced that he had a sports betting plan was uh, swift and negative. And the tribes were basically like, why would we do what you want us to do? We don't trust you. Um, in the state of California, I think there's multiple things at play. Um, the tribes don't trust the state legislature. So that's probably a no-go. And it's why we haven't seen any real legislation move through the state here. They definitely don't trust the operators as a whole um, after the referendum last year, or not referendum, the initiative last year. Um, that said, there are still conversations going on between tribes and major operators, and there have been throughout all of this because they need each other. No matter how badly the tribes think that they can, can or want to run sports betting on their own, they can't. They need, they need somebody, whether that's a Camby or a fan duel, um, they need somebody to run the back end. The latest uh, initiative proposals that have been filed are from somebody that has a relationship or had a relationship with at least one of the tribes here, but it's been a long time since they've worked together. It came as a surprise to the tribes. Um, the initial statement from James Siva of the California uh, Indian Nations Gaming Association uh, was, like a slap on the hand, you know, don't tell us what to do, come to us, talk to us. Um, but there was also a Dear Tribal Leader letter that laid out what this would look like and why this person thinks it can work. And the latest now from the tribes is, hmm, maybe we'll listen. Hmm. But there was a lot of that at the beginning of the initiative in 2022. Um, and at the end of the day, the tribes decided that they did not have enough power in the framework that was being proposed. So they went out and spent $250 million to kill it. <laughs> right. I mean, the, the one of the states that I mentioned there, the one that actually has has uh, passed something and is is legalized and launching and all that in, in Maine, um, I, the, it's the most minor detail in a sense to those of us in the industry, but the whole brick and mortar aspect of sports betting there like seems representative of this, that like they legalized it, but it, 
as far as I know, nobody has any plans to launch a brick and mortar sports book. Was this just like a case of, uh, again, lack of communication, people speaking for the tribes without finding out what they wanted? So Maine was actually a pretty unique situation. Um, the tribes in Maine and Texas do not have the same sort of federal recognition as the tribes everywhere else. So my understanding is uh, previously they had class two gaming, but not class three. Um, there's also been a difficult relationship between the tribes in Maine and the governor or the governor's office. Um, and there was a bill that would have created a very open competitive market that was working its way through the legislature and looked like it was going to succeed. And the governor swooped in and said, nope, this is what we're going to do. Mm. And the tribes were, I think, surprised, but they were also open to it because it's a nice source of revenue and they can partner with really big operators because there's only four tribes there. So, um, I think... I look at Maine one a little bit differently um, just because of that initial part about not having class three gaming previously, but it was definitely met with a little bit of confusion and consternation when it, uh, when the proposal came down, the tribes will only have um, digital sports betting. The bill that, or the law that passed actually does not allow commercial operators to have it. And there are two casinos there, one owned by Penn entertainment and the other one, by uh, Churchill Downs, they do have the right to have a brick and mortar um, and they don't have to partner with the tribes to do that. So far, neither of them have done it, but I mean, it's not a big state. There's not, there's not all that much there for them. So. Right. I want to circle back to something you guys were talking about earlier in that conversation there. Um, say, what the fuck, Florida again? Oh, no, 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 no. Come on. I mean, I'm not a one trick pony, Jill. Um, (laughs) But my question is more like, what the fuck, California? <laughs> that was my next question. Yeah, You're- no, but almost seriously, like you know, the more I the more I read and hear and 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 talk to you about it, there is, I mean, everyone, California is the fifth largest economy in the world. You know, blah blah. There's so much gold in them Nar Hills when it comes to online sports betting, online casino in in California. Why can't the tribes like I'm? Why aren't the tribes the one like doing all the pushing on this? Like, it just seems like everyone, they, they seem to be, they, they're slow playing it for no, no real good reason, as far as I can tell. There are good reasons. And it's not just California. I mean, you're seeing it in Oklahoma now, too, um, and uh, Minnesota, uh, also driven by the tribes. And it's because the end game for the tribes as a whole is completely different than the end game for an operator. Um, an operator is in business to make money, period. The tribes are not in business to make money, period. They're in business to keep their people employed um, and to keep money rolling in so that they can support all of the services that each of them, because every tribe, as we know, right, is a sovereign nation. So they have their own um, elder care, they have their own fire departments, they have their own police departments, and somebody has to pay for that. Um, In California, they've been very, very successful on the retail casino front. Um, which also employs thousands, if not tens of thousands of people across the state, many of them tribal. So one, they don't want to give up the opportunity to have their people employed. And they're the first ones to push forward the notion that digital will cut into retail, which we all know from studies and things that have happened in other states that that's not, it's not likely in a way that the casinos will shut down. But the other part is the tribes in California have had um, a monopoly on gaming for more than 20 years. 
they are a very powerful political lobby and they have zero interest in giving up that power. It's the only power that they have here. Um, and having spent considerable time with a couple of um, not tribal leaders, but people higher up in the tribes here, particularly at Pachanga and getting a tour um, you know, of the casino, uh, history lesson um, about what their people went through to get their land and then to get it back. Um, they're afraid. They're still afraid. And now that they have some amount of power, they're just not willing to let it go. Do you think it's, I mean, okay, now I'm going to switch. Do you think it's possible that California just never actually happens? I do. Hmm. Um, I think that there's been a lot of proposals out there that are crazy. Um, the latest one, maybe not so crazy, but there was one being batted around where every tribe would get sports betting and they would have a region basically. So you would geofence off, you know, some amount of area and that's where you could use the Pachanga app. And then, you know, you'd cross the border and then you could use the Pala app and then you'd cross the border and then you could use the Viejas app. And so it would be actually like Washington DC, which is its own, here we go, clusterfuck um, <laughs> with all of the federal land and all of the, the different uh, entertainment zones that they created there. So figuring out California is, is a huge puzzle. My, my guess is it's going to take a while. We're probably three to five years out unless this latest proposal somehow, you know, strikes the fancy of the tribes and they feel like they're going to get everything they want. Um, but I do see a world where it doesn't ever really happen um, because they they're comfortable with what they have. The additional revenue would be great. But that's kind of the difference, right? They're not a, they're not just in business to make money. They're in business to to build their communities. I feel very left out, so I'm just going to say the word "fuck" right now, just so I can feel like part of part of the fun that we're having here. Um, I'll, I'll finish with a, an existential question for you, Jill. Um, since 2018, there's been a, a fairly steady stream of legislative news for us to cover. If and when, now I know we just said California maybe never goes, but let's say it does go eventually. If and when California and Texas legalize sports betting and there are no huge states remaining and just a handful of small states left like Utah that are never going to legalize, what the hell are people like us going to do? Are you concerned that there will come a day when there isn't all that much left for us to cover? Fuck. I don't know, Eric. I'm older than you. I'm going to retire. No, um, <laughs> in all seriousness. When I started um, at Sports Handle and then we were bought by US Bets, one of the people at, at US Bets said to me, Well, you better find something else to get good at because every state's going to legalize within two years. And, you know, we're here six years later, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, at some point, every state that's going to legalize will have. I think Utah probably never will. Um, there's a good possibility that Idaho, Hawaii, and maybe. Uh, Alaska probably won't. Um, but, you know, we're probably two to four years from everywhere else uh, that's interested actually getting the job done. But what we found over the last probably two to three years is that what's happening now is laws are being revised, regulations are being revised. Um, as operators are being more, becoming more comfortable with how to run their businesses, different places, other issues are coming up whether that's responsible gaming or um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, 
or things that I haven't thought of, ways that are more streamlined to run your business. Well, DFS actually right now, mm. um, you know, it's tangential to sports betting and some of those companies are trying to thread a needle um, that state lawmakers aren't liking. Um, and in addition to that, the business side of, of our business is incredible, right? There's, there's mergers and acquisitions, there's companies that do things that none of us ever thought of. Um, and I just think there's going to be more and more and more of that sort of thing that'll keep everybody certainly busy enough. And, yeah, and, and, you, and you didn't even say uh, the magic word, I casino. Was that what you were about to say, Jeff? Or, or no, no, no. I was going to yeah. say as long as the Massachusetts uh, Gaming Commission uh, stays in business, they'll. I mean, that, that's you could field a, a seven-person team on that and not cover it all. 100%. And Eric, you're absolutely right. You know, one sports betting is, for lack of a better, exhausted on some level in terms of legislation and slows down on regulation. Um, iCasino is, of course, the next big thing. But as we've seen in legislatures across the country, it's a much heavier lift than sports betting. Mm -hmm. um, there are certain states where you need to convince the lawmakers, never mind the people who are voting, um, that it's a good idea to put a whole casino into somebody's hand. Um, and my guess would be we're at least 10 years from being able to look at a country where more places have legal I casino than don't. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's also that. And then what we've learned in sports betting applies to online casinos. So, um, all that knowledge that we have now and all that knowledge that the operators have, I think they'll put out a better product and run more streamlined businesses, um, on the casino side. All right. I, f I feel better uh, about uh, things not entirely drying up anytime soon. Jeff, do you feel better? Uh, yes. Being that I still don't can't like get through one like legislative session without falling asleep. So I, I need I need other stuff to keep me busy for sure. OK, it's more than I you try. I try, Jill. I really do. I try. It, they're so hard for me. No, I was going to say it's more that we all can't get through one day without being in the middle of something and three other things break. That's right. Um, that too. So it would be nice to get to a point where um, we can sit down and, and do a really good job on everything we're working on and not just try to fly through it to get the information out. I there. also want to say in my defense, my wife has becoming, you know, I, we have, I have a daughter who has autism. So my wife is really like, she she's like a PhD now, like legitimately, you know, she she's so well-versed. She is now wholly convinced that if I was a child today, I would 1000% be diagnosed autistic as well as ADHD. So I think I, I'm going to build in an excuse next time you guys ask me to watch a six hour legislative hearing. Fair enough. I'll try to keep that to me and Bennett. <laughs> All right. Well, this uh, conversation has been the exact opposite of a six hour Massachusetts Gaming Commission meeting. This has been light and lively and fun and uh, all those other uh, positive words that I don't think Jeff would attribute to the Massachusetts Gaming Commission. So I've uh, screamed. I have screamed at my computer screen watching those hearings. I'm not lying. Legitimately yelling. I, you know, I tape everything so I could like, you know, transcribe it later. So that you'll be hearing. Uh, the green monster, ESPN, and I'm like, fuck, enough already. <laughs> well, I was going to say guilty. And then at G2E, I literally bumped into Kathy Judd Stein, who's the chair of the committee. Mm. Um, and she was nothing like I expected. Mm. And one of the things that she said to me almost right off the bat, when I introduced myself, that made me laugh is she said, I just feel terrible for people who have to watch. <laughs> is any of it useful? And the thing is, is, is separate from the personalities, 
they have an open meeting law and they literally cannot talk about uh, gaming or gambling and make Other, any decisions right. um, unless they are out in the public purview. Right. Um, and it probably hurt all of us that we could do Zoom meetings because they used to probably just sit in a room someplace and three people showed up and nobody cared. Right. Um, but now <laughs> we can all watch. And, uh, you know, I told her, actually, it's useful. It's a good indicator or it helps to understand how things how things are happening and why they're happening. Um, and we get to see um, we get to see what they're doing and why they're doing it and what the concerns are and not just the final analysis. Okay, that's that's so. a, that's a very fair and reasoned take, but thank God 49 right. other states are not like that. <laughs> True that. <laughs> All right, bonus content on the behind the scenes conversations with uh, Massachusetts commissioners. Uh, didn't it, didn't expect that to be part of the interview, but uh, we got that in there too. Uh, Jill, uh, thanks uh, for coming on the podcast once again. Of course, everyone can read her on Sports Handle. Uh, always great having you on the pod. No problem. It was great to see you guys. Two men. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. We'll get to bagels and locks shortly, but first let's update our betting bankroll. It was another up and down week that finished slightly up, and uh, we'll take that. Uh, your three team tees went the way that parlays and teases often go two for three. Your two favorites covered, but the Seahawks got blown out and couldn't cover plus 12, so we lost $100. My two leg Sixers player prop parlay also went the way parlays tend to go one for two. The Embiid assist got there, but the maxi points didn't come close. We lost 40 bucks. Uh, your Mac Jones bets. Uh, we we needed one more touchdown pass to win big. Uh, we squeaked by on the yardage over. Uh, the line was 217 and a half, and he got 220. So we won $100 there, but over, two, over one and a half TDs at a juicy plus 180. He only threw for one. So we lost the $100 uh, right back on that and an additional 20 on the parlay of both overs. Uh, my parlay of Panthers money line with the over went over two total whiff. I'm done betting Panthers overs. Uh, we lost $50 on that. Thankfully, you sniffed out a great price on Taysom Hill anytime touchdown plus 375. You bet 50 bucks and I round up the leftover 50 cents. Uh, so we won $188 on that. And lastly, easiest win I've ever had. I took Army plus 18 and a half against Air Force, and they won 23 to 3. They would have covered as 18 and a half point favorites, never mind 18 and a half point underdogs. Wish I'd done the money line or a, or a points betting bet, but whatever. I should just be happy with the win since I admittedly know nothing about either of these teams. We won 50 bucks. So for the week, we won $28. We're now down by $4,113. We also have $2811 on hold in futures bets, and that leaves us with $3,076 available to bet with this week. And I'm up first, and I'll start with a NFL single-leg standard minus 110 bet. It's a first half under. Um, Packers, not the greatest offense, especially in the first half. They scored seven in the first half last week, three the week before, zero the week before that, three the week before that, zero the week before that and 10 each of the first two weeks of the season. Steelers, also not the greatest offense, also particularly inept early in games. First half scoring the last five games, 0-3-3-3-10. The line here is 19 and a half. So they'd have to both hit what is basically their ceiling of 10 points for the under to lose. 
I know past results don't guarantee future results or, or whatever the cliche is, but uh, I really like the first half under between these two non-juggernauts. $110 to win 100 I like it. Uh, I, I also have a standard... Uh... <laughs> it's not standard. Uh, all right. Ah, uh, you see. reeled me in. I was ready yeah, for something uh, minus one ten. No. Nope. No, it's a, it's a bunch of different bets. So, okay. You know, so, all right. so here we go. First one, Donta Foreman tonight. Anytime touchdown, I found it at plus one fifty at DraftKings. Okay. Dalton Schultz. Wait, wait, wait. Anytime. How much on that? Or or uh, are they all going to be the same amount that you'll tell me? Yeah, all for fifty. All for fifty. Okay. okay. The next three bets are for fifty bucks. Okay. So Foreman anytime touchdown one fifty. Uh-huh. Dalton, I mean, he's got the back, you know, what's his name's not playing, or Herbert's out, I, I don't know, I, this is a, a no-brainer. It might have dropped since I saw it, but I locked it in this morning for myself. Okay, okay. Uh, Dalton Schultz, who has been targeted in the end zone more than any other tight end in America. Right. Um, I, mean, I can't I can't account for a Canadian Football League. Uh, <laughs> anytime touchdown, plus 230 at Caesars. Mm. Okay. I'm going right back to the well with Mr. Hill. Taysom, I, he's down at still, I think, too high at plus 290 at BetMGM. Okay. So all three of those, anytime touchdowns, all for 50 bucks. And then for another 20 at Caesars, let's, we're, I, I couldn't get, find it anywhere else where I could get all uh, three at the same time. Let's match them together at 1873 plus odds to win uh, 20 for to win 395. You want to round up to 400, be my guest. <laughs> well, I, I only round up partial dollars. Otherwise, uh, okay. you know, we have to so, be yeah. uh, very authentic with our uh, fake money. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I do like, I mean, I legitimately like all three of these like a lot. So I don't know. We'll see. Okay. okay. I don't know. We'll see. I'll take it. Um, but yeah, no, each of these sounds good in theory. So, all right. Um, now, one of your favorite types of bets, Jeff, of course, is the three team tees, but you don't have a monopoly on those. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try one this week. Um, Bengals tees down from minus six and a half to minus a half at home against Houston. Like Bills it. tees down from minus seven and a half to minus one and a half at home against Denver. I like it. And Packers teased up from plus three to plus nine in Pittsburgh. Um, my reasoning. Um, I'll have more to say about the Bengals with my next bet, but they're clearly rounding into shape. I wish I'd pounced on their futures a week or two ago when I started to smell this coming. Uh, there's just no way this team's losing at home to the Texans. Um, Bills, they are banged up on defense and, and they are pretty flawed, but they absolutely need this win. They won't look past the Broncos. The Broncos already had their Super Bowl upsetting the Chiefs. I don't think it's happening again. And the Packers, I already said, I don't expect a lot of points between them and the Steelers. And the Steelers' wins this season have been by four, five, seven, seven, and four. They may win and cover the three, but they ain't going to cover the nine. Um, now, disciplined bankrollinarian that I am, I'm not going to go the full 100 to win 160. We'll do a three-quarter unit bet. 75 bucks to win 120. Which leg fails us, Jeff? Uh, or are they all beautiful they as all, they always all, are in a tease? They're all, they're all beautiful as they always are in a tease. I mean, <laughs> okay. yeah, I, 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 I can't see the Steelers beating anybody by... 10 points you know what i mean like, right. I, don't, I don't i don't understand how that would happen uh but yeah that i guess if anything that that's where the worry is you yeah know, i i guess that it, one could hit in a steelers defense right you know? exactly like packers are are down by six driving late in the game and pick six or something that the steelers cover would be about the only way we get screwed i think all right. My next bet uh, is an Uncuts Gems special type Ooh. of bet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a parlay that starts with who wins the opening tip, which kinda, which you're not kinda. allowed to bet on anywhere in the world, but in that yeah. movie it's fine? Okay. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Uh, I'm just uh, a little bit of an audible here, actually. I'm taking the three bets from above, my uh-huh. Foreman, Schultz, and Hill. 
we're going to mash them all together again as first TDs in the games. Five. Oh my god. Five hundred and sixty to one. We're going to put ten bucks on it. This we can sneeze ten dollars away here responsibly, <laughs> fa- fake money. And if uh-huh. we happen to win, then we're you know we're in the green. And this is I I can guarantee you that we will be two for three. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I hope that in real life you bet each of them individually as first touchdowns in addition to any time touchdowns, so that if you do go two for three, you still win yeah. big. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but for bankroll purposes, ten to win fifty six hundred. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's, I, I really, let's at least hope Foreman gets it done tonight, so that we have right. Like a so nice we have a sweat, sweat heading into the weekend. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, as I teased a moment ago, I'm, I'm on the Bengals bandwagon. Uh, Burrow is back to being Burrow. They do this every year. They start slow. And then at season's end, they're one of the top two or three teams in the AFC. Barring a major injury to someone, I, I see the AFC as a three team race. It's Chiefs, Ravens and Bengals. Um, Dolphins, eh, they can't beat the good teams. I don't think they're getting through the playoffs there. Bills, I don't think they have it this year. Jags, not quite. I think it's one of those three. FanDuel has the Bengals at plus 750 to win the AFC. Uh, it's a little too high. I, th- I think they're somewhere between 20 to 30% likely to reach the Super Bowl. So good value. Let's go 60 bucks to win 450. Um, and then I actually have a, a late addition here, not on our outline, but I, I spotted it this morning. It's unrelated, except that it's also a futures bet. Chris Paul for sixth man of the year. Mm. He's the favorite or co-favorite at plus 600 or plus 700 at almost every book, except DraftKings, where he's plus 1,400. Oh, I love that. This is just a pure number play, 50 bucks to win 700 if Chris Paul wins sixth man of the year. That I like a lot. You want want, want to pause the podcast to bet that on DraftKings right now before it changes? No, I'm going to put like $5 on it so I could wait. If it drops down to 1,200, it's all right. It's cool. Right, okay. Uh, All right, that's a good bet, though. I like that bet a lot. Thank you. Um, All right. I'm going stupid again. Uh, over, it's a, a single game parlay over at FanDuel. Okay. Over 38 and a half in the Bucks titans game. Mayfield and Levies, 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 whatever his name is, both over one and a half touchdowns. Uh-huh. Hopkins at any time touchdown. Levies over 212 and a half yards. Mayfield over 250 and a half yards. The odds are not as good as I want them to be. But, so 20, <laughs> 20, 25 bucks to win 328 whatever the odds were. I didn't write it down, but that's that's what it was. Uh, the, my rationale here is just pretty simple. Both these teams are run-stopping defenses. Both these teams have massive problems, like, in their secondary. The, the, the Titans are def- – I mean, if I had to, like, separate this stuff, it's the Titans side that I like a lot. Like, the levies over 212.5, the levies uh-huh. over 1.5 touchdowns. But uh, you know what the hell? Let's go crazy. So it's it's everything. But yeah, I just I feel like that ge- I feel like this game could really and I you know I was playing around with even putting defensive touchdowns in here. Mm. <laughs> this, this game feels like to me like it it has wacky wacky game written all over it. But I can that, see that. Tread, translation ten seven. But you know, <laughs> right. Uh, for the record, uh, I I, be- I, really, I, be- I believe really it's pronounced like Levis. That's what I keep Levis. hearing. Will Levis. Will Levis. All right. Um, so, so this is somewhere around like 12 to one, 13 to one, something like that with all those legs like in that. there. Yeah. yeah. doesn't feel like a great price at all. You're right. Not a, it's a terrible price, but whatever. <laughs> okay. I, I, it's fun. It's a fun right. little bit. All righty. Uh, time now for bagels and locks. We're both five and two. Now, uh, I won last week with Kansas city minus one. 
Uh, Jeff, again, you needed that one more touchdown pass from Mac to hit all sorts of stuff. Uh, so you you lost with the Pats over yeah. two and a half touchdowns. So I improved to five and two. You slipped to five and two. We're both still doing well, though. Um, and my lock this week is an under. But uh, it's not that Packers-Steelers under that I was already talking about. Uh, I will note that unders are hitting at a 61.5% clip this season. Uh, I hope I'm not jumping on the trend just as it's ready to flip. But I think the Texans-Bengals number, 47.5, the second highest total this week, is too high. Uh, I ran my simulations and algorithms. I have this game projected out for 45.23 points. That's a 4.8% edge, uh, making this plus EV. Um, Obviously, I'm kidding. I don't have any algorithms. I'm a square. Um, I just I just look at that number and I think it's too high. C.J. Stroud ain't repeating last week's performance. He comes back to earth. This team played games that totaled 40 or under the previous four weeks. I think last week was an outlier. I just don't see a shootout here. Plus, you have Jamar Chase dealing with an injury. Feels like a 23-17 or 26-17 kind of game to me. Lock in the under. I told you I'm finishing 14-2 and on the season with our locks. This one will get me to 6-2. and all right, I am. Uh, I'm, I'm. I'm going back to the Bucks Titans game, I, where okay. I want to take. I'm taking the over 30, 38 and a half to me is just too low for a game that I think it could get pretty wacky. Right after you as just finish saying, watch this finish ten to seven. Yeah, I know. I just. I'm honestly. I just think the Titans side. I see Lev like Levis. I feel like is going to be good for two scores for the Titans and one for the Bucks. So we're already at twenty-one. <laughs> right. Right. And I don't know. I I, I just it, it all right. Too, it yeah, how's that feel to you? That's fine. All right. I guess that's it. That'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks everybody out there for listening, and thanks again to this week's guest, Jill Dorson. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein, and follow US Bets at US underscore Bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling, and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, Jeff, please take us out. So are my ridiculous bets that I made this week responsible, right? Are they responsible gambling? Mm-hmm. Well, they might be, right? If I, like, in real life put, like, five bucks each on them. Right. But they, they, they wouldn't be responsible if I put $5,000 each on them. But they would be responsible if I was a multimillionaire and put $5,000 each on them. And frankly, even at five bucks each, they wouldn't have been responsible for me 25 years ago when I was making 26 k a year as a first-year reporter, you know? Others might say these types of bets, just the types of them are irresponsible no matter the dollar amount. Mm -hmm. I guess kind of what I'm trying to say here is like the idea that there's some kind of one size fits all, I mean, or even like a 12 size fits all (laughs) approach to responsible gambling is ridiculous, right? Everyone has their own internal definition. Everyone, you know, knows what's responsible to them and what's not, you know, not to compare apples to oranges here, but I have a, you know, a standard drip coffee machine in my kitchen and it probably cost me, you know, a few dimes per cup of coffee. You know, to me, spending $8 a day at Starbucks would be irresponsible coffee drinking. Mm. To others, it's just the cost of doing business. You know, I, 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 I've, I've been following this conversations, you know, this responsible gambling. It's always it's always percolating, you know, to use my coffee metaphor. Mm-hmm. But I, I really think that what we're doing isn't working. You know, and responsible gambling models need to really expand if we ever hope to wrap our arms and heads around the issue. Um, I think it has to start with we each have to be responsible to ourselves and like know what you know what we can handle what we can't handle and and take it from there because there must be hundreds of different definitions of it depending on the person. Right. So with all that said, to the loyal listeners out there, please be responsible to yourself when you gamble on. 